Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the LifePoint Christian Church Podcast. Let's get started. Have you figured out that your mind is more powerful than you can possibly imagine? Have you figured that out? In fact, when you, when the things you think about will kind of dictate, you know, what eventually comes out. For example, I was thinking about Jay and, and COVID and, and excited to be here and baptism, and I forgot about uh, uh, Kelly uh, and Trevor Bross just had their baby Maverick, and the sign was flashing back there, say, the baby, the baby, the baby. And so uh, um, they just had their baby at 3, 3 a.m. today, and so uh, pretty exciting. There's the pictures. <laughs> uh, they just sent them, so we'll get them up next week. So we're excited for them and thrilled for them. And so, hey, team, thanks upstairs for uh, flashing that because my mind was thinking about other things. And so, anyway, what you think about, the way you think, what you think about, what you focus on, that affects and impacts every aspect of your life. And there are times when, when you're thinking what's going on inside you or your head, you feel like there's a war. You feel like it's a battlefield. There's a mind war going on in your heads. And so that's what the series is talking about. It's talking about those mind wars and how we can be victorious in those. So we've been looking at some different scriptures to help us with that so we can, we can be victorious and live the life that God has called us to live in not just our actions but also in our thoughts. Because make no mistake, what goes into your mind, what you focus on, what you dwell on, that's going to eventually come out. It's going to leak out, it's going to pour out, and it's going to impact and affect your life and your relationships. A key scripture we've camped out on is 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And in verse 4, it says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. As Christians, as Jesus followers, we have some tools at our disposal that help us in these mind wars. He says, on the contrary, the Apostle Paul says, on the contrary, they have divine power, say power. These weapons we have have power to demolish the strongholds. Strongholds are the lies, the wrong thinking that we have. We have weapons to demolish those. And how do we defeat those? What do we do? It says in verse 5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought. Say thought. That's what we're talking about, our thoughts. We take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. Paul says to you and I, we can take these thoughts that we have, the lies, the wrong thinking, all of that, and we can take that captive, and we can submit that to Christ, and we can lay that at the feet of Jesus. We can can make it obedient to Christ. And this is so important for us because our lives always move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. What we're focused on and what we're dwelling on, that's where our lives head. And that's the direction we go with our thoughts. Research has proven that the more that you dwell on something and think something, the easier it is to think it again and again and again. And that's wonderful and great when your thoughts are good. And they're focused on what's good and pure and excellent and all that. It's not so good. When your mind gets wrapped up in that which is negative or you get pessimistic or critical and you get wrapped up in that, it's not good. And so that's why Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, he told us, fix your thoughts. Say thoughts. Fix your thoughts on what's true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. He says, fix your thoughts 
Focus them. Uh, the word really means to meditate on them. Focus those thoughts on that which is good rather than the lies or the negative information or the negativity. But I get it and Paul gets it. It's easier to think about that which isn't pure or isn't true or isn't excellent or praiseworthy. And so today we want to talk about how can we defeat those negative thoughts? How can we defeat the negative thinking so that you and I can literally have the best day ever? So that we can defeat those thoughts and then then tomorrow we can have the best day ever and defeat them again and have the best day ever. Because our negative thinking, criticalness, all of that, a negative warped perspective, believing in lies, all of that destroys our life. It destroys our relationships. And it causes us to miss out on this incredible life that God has for us. And we see this in the story of the Israelites found in Numbers chapter 13 and chapter 14. Let me give you this story real quick. Some of you have heard it before. Maybe some of you haven't. That The Israelites were slaves in Egypt. And God rescued them and brought them out of the land of Egypt and brought them to the edge of what was called their promised land, the land of Canaan. And that was the land that God had for them. They would no longer be slaves in Egypt, but they would be free to have their own land, their own place to live. Well, they're on the edge of that land, and they need to, they, there's obviously people there, and they need to go and discover what, what's going on. They need to do a little recon, and they need to figure out, um, you know, who lives there, and what does it look like, and what's happening. So they sent 12 spies into the land of Canaan. Now, here's, what, here's the key. It's, it's important. All 12 spies came back and and, and gave a report. They all had the same exact facts. Say the word facts. That's important for us today. Facts. They all had the same facts. The land was beautiful. The food, the fruit, the produce was amazing. It's an incredible place. There's giants in the land. They're big and they're strong and the cities are fortified. There's no argument there. Those were the facts. That was the reality. And yet, these spies thought wildly different about the facts. Ten of the 12 of those, you know, uh, team members from that, you know, that first recon division, ten of them filled their thoughts, their mind, with negative thoughts, critical thoughts, pessimistic thoughts. And as a result, they thought the Israelites were doomed that they could not defeat the enemy. And so they spread that negative report. Two of the 12 team members, uh, they came back and they saw it positively. And they had a different perspective. And one of them stands up and says in Numbers chapter 13, verse 30, Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can, say can, we can. We can certainly do it. Again, let me repeat. All 12 had the same exact facts. It wasn't that the facts were different. What was different? Their filter was different. Their perspective was different. They all the same facts, same information, different filters. Your filter shapes how you see the facts. Your filter or filters affect and shape how you see your life, whether it's positive or negative. Your filter shapes how you see your life. 
There's another term for this, for your filter or your mental filter, your mental framework. Uh, It's called your bias or even more specifically, your cognitive bias. And I'm not going to go deep into this. I'm just going to give you the the term here. Uh, Cognitive bias, bias, with a simple, simple definition, is a mistake in your reasoning based on your personal experiences, your beliefs, or your preferences. It's this false reasoning based on your experiences, your preferences, or your beliefs. So if you grew up in some type of context where some really bad things happened to you, if that's the case, it will be easy for you to have a mental framework, a mental filter, a bias, a cognitive bias, where you might see circumstances and situations in your life inaccurately. That you might draw false conclusions or or wrong conclusions based on the facts because of your bias, based on what happened to you as you were growing up. For example, maybe you grew up around or you experienced abusive men. If If that was your circumstance or situation, you will find yourself being suspect of even all men in general, or at least you have that potential to lean that direction. If your parents, if you grew up and your parents said, you know, all rich people were, you know, were bad people, and all of a sudden in your life you found yourself being successful and moving ahead and getting ahead in life, you might actually start feeling guilty about that because of this bias you had growing up. If you grew up as a slave in Egypt, and all you knew was submission, and all you knew was oppression by someone who was bigger and stronger and more powerful than you, And all of a sudden, you found yourself in a new land, and you see people who are bigger than you, more powerful than you. Your cognitive bias would cause you to say, we can't do this. We can't accomplish this. They're too big to overcome and defeat. That was the 10 spies. And by the way, these 10 spies, they, because what goes in will eventually come out, what you think about will eventually come out and affect your life. These 10 spies spread this negative report among the people. All the people started, the Bible talks about how they started grumbling against the Lord. The Lord was so upset and so angry about this that he said, okay, that's fine. You guys are going to think that way. You're going to think you're not going to listen to the two. You're not going to think you can overcome. Okay, no problem. You're going to go on a 40-year backpack trip in the wilderness. And so that's what they did. They didn't get to go into the promised land. They just wandered around backpacking for 40 years. Your cognitive bias, your filter or filters shape how you see your life and how you see the facts. It's your default filter. And as a result, it can be easy to interpret something inaccurately. It's why two people can hear the same exact thing and draw two wildly different conclusions. Have you ever been in a circumstance with somebody and that's the case? And, and you both see something or observe something or participate in something and, and you get to talking about it and you're like, how'd you see that? How'd you draw that conclusion? You ever been in a, rela- in a conversation with maybe someone close to you like a spouse if you're married? You ever find yourself saying, babe, how did you just come up with that? You had the same facts, different conclusions. It could be a boss who gives the same exact feedback to two employees. One of them gets excited about the information and they're glad that they, you know, the, 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 the correction is going to help them grow and thrive. The other is hurt and offended. Same facts. You can come to church. Two people come to church. 
Two people participate in worship. Two people participate in the sermon. Draw two wildly different conclusions. One person says, oh my goodness, that was the most amazing worship ever. Somebody else says, on the same day, participating in the same situation, the same worship, say, that was awful, that was terrible. Two people, same sermon, walk out of the room, and I'm standing there at the door, and they, someone says, that was the worst sermon I've ever heard. And someone else says, man, pastor, that was the best sermon I've ever heard. You heard the same thing. What happened there? How about this one? COVID-19. We're all, in theory, dealing with the same facts. And people are drawing across the world wildly different conclusions based on our bias, based on our cognitive bias. Our bias even impacts our relationship with God. In fact, your relationship with your heavenly Father today is often impacted or colored or shaped by how you see your earthly father. For those of you who are blessed with a good dad who is full of compassion, who is involved in your life, it's easier for you to see God as a good God. It's easy to see God as someone who cares about you, who's interested in you, who's interested in your life. On the other hand, if you grew up with a father who was abusive, who put people down in the family, who was cold, who was demanding, who was judgmental, who was critical, who was legalistic, it is much more difficult for you to see your heavenly Father as loving, compassionate, and kind, and full of grace, and full of mercy. It's not that the facts about God are different. It's the filter that's different. In fact, it's our filter or our filters that have the biggest impact on our relationships. And in fact, I would suggest to you the majority of most, if not all, of our relationship issues can be traced back to our filter or our filters, to our bias, to our cognitive bias. It's not a, the facts. It's the filter that determines our future. It's not just our filter. It's also our framing, our mental framing of how we see the facts and how we see the future. So for you and I to be victorious in our minds, what we want to do is we want to begin to reframe our circumstances and our situations and even our relationships. We want to reframe them. What is reframing? It's creating a different way of looking at the facts, looking at the situation, looking at the circumstances, looking at the relationship, create, reframing it, creating a different way of looking at it. You ready for this? By changing the meaning. By changing the meaning of what you're seeing. Let me give you an example here. How does the world frame Jesus. I want you to think about this. How's the world frame Jesus? They look at the cross and the message of the cross and they would say that's just silly, that's ridiculous, that's foolish. What is the message of the cross? Well, the message of the cross, you can say it a lot of different ways, but in a nutshell, nutshell, what's the message of the cross? We're all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And because we've sinned, what we deserve, the wages of our sin is eternal death or eternal separation from God. 
And there needs to be, in order for us to be saved, there needs to be a perfect, sinless sacrifice for our sins, to cover our sins so that we can be with the Father. The problem is we're not perfect, so we can't be the sacrifice. There was only one who was perfect, and that was Jesus. He was the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. And so he died. He was the perfect, sinless sacrifice, died in our place for our sins so that we can live eternally with God throughout eternity. That's the essence. And if you surrender your life and give your life to Christ and believe in him, believe that he died for your sins and rose from the dead, you will be saved. That's the message of the cross. And when people who aren't Christians, when you share that message with people, people look at you with blank faces and blank stares. People look at you like you're crazy. People listen to that message and go, that's crazy. That's foolish. In fact, here's how the world frames it. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, the message of the cross, cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. That's how they frame the cross. But we who are being saved know that it, the message of the cross, is the very power of God. What have you and I as Christians done? We've reframed the cross. We've reframed death or a symbol of death, which is this cross, which was a symbol of, of, of death and destruction and execution and suffering. You and I, what did we do? We reframed it. And so the cross is not a symbol of execution and, and suffering and death. It's a message of love. It's the message of God. In fact, think about this. In the first century, before Jesus died for our sins, if you were to walk around wearing a cross around your neck, how would that go? How would people look at you? You'd look at you like you're crazy, like you're nuts. Now, people will still look at us like we're crazy and we're nuts. But for those of us who know why we wear this, we reframed the cross, a symbol of execution. We reframed it, and the symbol that we wear is a symbol, a picture, a message of the incredible love that our Heavenly Father has for us. We reframed the cross. We changed its meaning. You see, you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. You can't control what happens in your life, but you can reframe it. You can reframe the facts. See, I suspect that, that most of us, if not all of us, are experiencing some parts of our life, and maybe for some of you it's the large parts of your life, your life isn't what you hoped for or what you expected. It may not be all aspects of your life, but there might be parts. Maybe you dream, for example, oh, man, I, you're going to have a great, you dreamed of having a great marriage. And you did everything you could. You prayed for it. You prayed about it. You, did, you married someone who was a Christian, and you were pure, and you went after it, and you did everything, and you worked at it, and you're, you married your sweetheart. And it was incredible at first, but years later, you're looking back, and you're saying, what happened? It's not where I wanted it to be. And you're just brokenhearted maybe even divorce, and you think, how could this happen? How did I get here? Maybe you went off to college and you studied, you got your degree, and man, you're like, I'm going to live a meaningful, purposeful life with what I studied and what I pursued, and you're looking at your life now going, I'm not even remotely doing what I had thought or intended, and, and this is beneath me and below my education, and you're looking at that going, what happened? How am I here? Maybe you got to the point in your life or you're at this point now, you thought, man, by now I thought I would be married. Or you thought, man, by now I'd be debt-free. By now, you know, I'd be traveling. 
or by now, you know, I have this particular ministry and it's not happening, or by now I'd be making a difference more than I am and my life doesn't seem to have any significance. Or maybe you thought, man, by now I, I, I'd, I'd start my own business and, and I'm still in this job, or man, I'd help grow somebody else's business, or you're looking at your kids going, man, I thought my kids would be in a different place or my kids would be better off and look at where they're at. And you find yourself just kind of waking up saying, what happened? This is not what I wanted to have happened. This is not what I intended. My life, my circumstances, these facts of my life, this is what I planned. And if that's you, I want you to know you're not alone. There's an individual in the Bible and scriptures, the Apostle Paul. He knows how you feel. He knows exactly how you feel. What was Paul's situation? Well, Paul wanted to preach in Rome. Paul figured, if I can go preach the gospel in Rome and people will come to Christ in Rome, man, that could be the, the base of hub of operation to spread the gospel across the world. Strategically, it was a brilliant plan. Go to Rome to preach. Well, what happened to Paul? Paul found himself in prison in Rome. He got the exact opposite of what he wanted. He wanted to preach in Rome, but instead he was a prisoner in Rome. So, how does Paul reframe the facts? What was his filter to frame those facts? Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, he tells us. What did Paul say? He says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me sucks. And as a result of the hell I've been through, I'm quitting my apostleship, I'm quitting life group and church and God, and I'm done. Oh, sorry, wrong version. <laughs> wrong interpretation. No, no, what does he say? He says, what has happened to me has actually served to advance, say the word advance, to advance the gospel. He reframed his situation, and because he reframed it, it changed his actions and behaviors. So, verse 13, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. I wanted to go to Rome as a preacher, but I found myself a prisoner. And even though I cannot control what happens to me, I can control how I frame it. Guess what? I'm still preaching. In fact, I get a new guard who has to be chained to me every eight hours. He's stuck with me. Who's in prison now? <laughs> and here I have this opportunity, a new guard. I have eight hours to tell him all about the incredible love of the Heavenly Father. To tell him all about Jesus. He reframed the facts. And in verse 14, and because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become even more confident in the Lord. I know it looks bad. I'm in jail. I'm chained up. I might be facing execution. But because of my chains, Paul says the Jesus followers here, they dare all the more to proclaim the gospel even more boldly, without fear. Paul reframes the facts. He changed the meaning of his circumstances. It's not poor old Paul stinks to be you caught up in prison. No, 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 that's not what it is. Paul's like, man, when I look through my God filter, through my God lens, I see God is working. I see that God is still on his throne. I see that God is still moving in people's lives, and I'm still preaching. It's why I came here anyway. I can't control what happens to me, but I can control how I frame it. 
every one of us, we have something going on in our life. Something going on in our thought life. Happening inside of our minds. There's some type of battle that we're going through. Every one of us on some level. Maybe it relates to family. Maybe it's something to do with kids or, or, or the neighbors or something at work. Or you got a bad report from a doctor about your health. Or, or, or relationally with a friend or a spouse. Maybe you have some financial challenges going on. On top of that, you have every aspect of all that's nuanced with COVID related, whatever it is for you. We all have something. There's, there's a battle going on in our mind. Our thought life, there's stuff happening in there, and it's easy for us to go down the wrong pathway and to be outside of the will of God. But God wants to do something. He wants to renew your mind. God wants to help you. And how does he help you? By you reframing your story. By changing the meaning of the facts in front of you. Change your thinking so that you can change your life. And so these final moments together, I just want to give you a, real quickly just a couple simple tips to help you reframe your story, to reframe your relationships, to reframe the circumstances or the facts that are in front of you so that you truly can have the best day ever. Put this into practice, and then the next day can be the best day ever, and then the next day can be the best day ever. Put these into practice, and you will experience victory in your mind wars. So what's the first little tip here to reframe our story? Well, when things are bad or they're not going in the direction you want them to go, how about this? How about we thank God? What are you talking about? Yeah, let's thank God or praise God for what didn't happen. Oh, man, I didn't get the raise. Oh, man, I, you know, I didn't get the bonus. Well, praise God, you still have a job. You know, oh, man, I can't believe it. I just got in a car wreck and destroyed my car. Well, praise God, you didn't get hurt. Oh, man, I can't believe it. My, my plane got delayed because of a broken part on the airplane, and I'm stuck here at the airport. Well, praise God, praise God the, plane, the broken part didn't go bad when you were in the air, right? And that you're actually on the ground when it happened. Sometimes it's good for us to pause and to praise God and to actually say, God, I want to thank you for what didn't happen. But there's another way we can, we can pre-frame or reframe our story, and that's to pre-decide the frame. Choose ahead of time how you're going to react or, as events occur in your life. Before you're in this situation, decide ahead of time how you're going to act and how you're going to react and how you're going to respond. You might be having something that's coming up. You're like, man, this project I got to do, it's going to be so hard. And it's going to be so challenging. And oh, man. How about you say, you know what? This is cool. This is, this is a project. This is going to be fun. This is going to be an adventure. I'm going to explore some new things I haven't done before. Or you say, man, my spouse, they're always signing me up to go hang out at these particular events. And I don't want to do this all day. How about you pre-decide instead of that? You say, you know, this is awesome. I'm going to be with a whole bunch of people I like and care about and love, and, and, and I'm going to make the most of that, and I'm going to, I'm going to maximize my time. You, you think to yourself, man, I'm just going to be stuck in this situation. And this stinks. How about you say, no, 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 this is going to be great. I'm going to thrive in it. I'm going to make the most of it. I'm going to do the best job I ever can. See, imagine if you just woke up and said, today is going to be the best day ever. You think that'll impact how your day goes? Absolutely. So pre-decide, pre-frame the situation. Today will be the best day ever. 
So thank God for what didn't happen. Pre-decide, pre-decide, pre-frame your response. And then finally, look for the goodness of God. This is the bow, by the way, that ties it all together. I guarantee if you look for the bad and the negative and the critical, I guarantee you will find it. But if you look for the good, you're going to find that as well. You look for the positive, you will find that. I find myself in certain situations when I'm in meetings, uh, before we dive into them, sometimes I'll say, hey, before we dive into this, I want to go around the room and I want everybody just to share a praise of what you've seen God do in your life this week. Let's just praise God for something that you you saw, you observed this week. When I have done that over the years, I can tell how people have framed or pre-framed their life. And sometimes I'll do that, and and I can tell there's certain people that, man, they're struggling to find something to praise God for. They're not seeing the goodness of God. They're so caught up in negative thinking or critical thinking or gloomy thinking. You want to change your life, look for the goodness of God. The psalmist talks over and over and over and over about the goodness of God in Psalm 145, verse 5 through 7. And he just talks about your awe-inspiring deeds, God, and proclaiming your greatness. And everyone's going to share in your wonderful goodness. In verse 9, the psalmist says, the Lord is good to everyone. Psalm 34, he says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Over and over and over, the psalmist is saying, I am looking for the goodness of God. And I see the goodness of God. You can choose to look for where God is working and see how God is moving. You can choose to look for the good in your circumstances. You can look for the good in people. And when you choose to do that, you'll find it because you will always find what you're looking for. It's a lot like the difference between a vulture and a hummingbird. What does a vulture find? They find carcasses, dead animals, roadkill, why, is that, why do they find that? It's what they're looking for. What do hummingbirds find? They find sweet nectar. Why? It's what they're looking for. So here's my question for you. Are you a vulture or are you a hummingbird? Which one are you? You'll find what you're looking for. It's your mental filter, your bias, your cognitive bias. And so when your filter goes negative... Reframe the circumstance. Reframe the situation. You can, you can determine the meaning of that event. More importantly, allow Jesus determine, to determine the meaning of that event. Let Jesus determine the meaning. Paul said, what has happened to me? Man, I'm excited because it has served to advance the gospel. We walked into the land of Canaan. The giants are big. The cities are large. The for, the, 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 they're fortified. But God will give us victory. We can certainly do this. You cannot control the facts. But you can control how you react and respond to the facts. You can reframe your circumstances and situation. You can change the meaning. And if you let Jesus do that, you will see his goodness and you will see his grace all over the place. What do you want to see? You want to see the sweet nectar or the roadkill? It's your choice. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, 
God, I just fear that so many people get caught up in the negative thinking and get caught up in the the mind wars and they're losing the battle. So I thank you, God, that you're giving us a new way, a better way for us to be victorious in our mind wars. And so, God, we want to fix our thoughts on what's good and excellent and pure and praiseworthy. And so, God, even if our circumstances are terrible, God, we come before you saying we we can see your goodness. We can see you moving and acting and moving on our behalf. I want you to take a moment right now, and if there's something going on in your life that you need to reframe, would you just go before God and just say, God, here's the facts. I want to reframe it. I want to see your goodness and how you've been faithful to me, how you've been so good. And God, I want to come right before you now and see your goodness and sing of your goodness and pour my life out to your to you. You're so good, God. Help me, God, reframe all that I'm going through so that you can receive glory and honor and praise with my life and through my life. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. You can learn more about us by visiting us online at lifepoint.org. If you are ever in the Sacramento area, we would love to see you in person. Events and service times can be found on our website. Thank you for listening, and we hope you join us for our next episode.